the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Check out theathletic.com slash Spot Track, S P O T R A C, and grab 40% off that first year subscription. My name is Mike Janetti. Happy Halloween Monday. NFL trade deadline is just about 20 hours away, or excuse me, 28 hours away, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Going to talk about some of those names here in the middle of the show. Back end of the show, I got some discussions about Major League Baseball offseason pieces that have been written, some of Keith Smith's pieces that have been written that I think are actually sneaky, sneaky important for where this NBA financial stuff will be going. But first, I had the pleasure of seeing the Packers in person last night. Got to talk about where that team is going from a financial roster construction standpoint. And the Raiders, who again are sliding backwards for maybe a couple of reasons. But for a guy like me who gets to sit here and look at all their contracts, I see a team going backwards, and then I look at the contracts that are actually on the books right now, and I think disarray, disarray. And uh, the Packers, the Arizona Cardinals, the Las Vegas Raiders, there's a lot of connection there with roster construction, decisions that have been made, money that's been handed out, and what you're seeing on the field from a, from a productivity standpoint. So I kind of wrap those three teams into one big conversation here for the Open, and uh, some, uh, there's a lot of what-ifs. There's a lot of what I was contractually speaking. So that's the top of the show. NFL trade candidates in the middle. A couple of uh, promotional pieces about some, some, uh, some great work being posted on SpotTrack.com that'll kind of lead us into the next episode here on Wednesday. And uh, we'll continue down this multi-sport path that fall brings us with uh, just tons of content with World Series and the middle of the NFL season and hockey and basketball really starting to catch the legs here. So plenty to talk about. We'll stick mostly NFL today, though. Hope you enjoy it. The Raiders are a bit of a mess, and some of us saw this coming. We knew this division was going to be weird. We thought it'd be better, certainly with the firepower that was added via free agency, via the draft, via trade, which is where we talked about the Raiders here, right? This Devontae Adam stuff hasn't been banged for Buck just yet. He certainly was sick yesterday to the point of where he was not available. The Derek Carr stuff, though, is where I need to focus, at least to start here you know the benching halfway through understandable they were getting shut out they were getting blown out he was wildly inefficient he looked about as numerically you know productive as a Mariota at the time as a pj walker at the time as a picket at the time that's where he was living yesterday and that's where he's lived really kind of every other week through eight weeks here of the nfl 2022 season He's been yin and yang his whole career. And there are times when you absolutely love him. There are times when he throws for 5,000 yards and you think, hey, he's turned a corner. This is going to be it. If you give him one more big weapon, everything's going to come together for this team, which is where we thought this was headed in 2022. And it's not. So now we have to talk contracts. And I hate to do that in the middle of the year, but it's the quarterback position. I assessed all 32 situations on Twitter yesterday. I'm going to talk about some of them here today. Derek Carr has an out, a major out, a clean out after 2022. I know he just signed that extension. If you're a Raiders fan, you're thinking to yourself, don't even talk about this. It's ridiculous to think about. It can't be ridiculous after seeing yesterday because we've seen too many versions of yesterday with Derek Carr and this Raiders team. Maybe it's coaching. Maybe it's play calling. Maybe it's just Adams being sick. But Derek Carr has an out. And the reason you have to bring it up now is, is if you say no and you let this thing go and you let Derek Carr remain your quarterback in 2023, you're not only signing up for 2023, you're signing up for 2024 for the most part. 
All right. So this is a one year, $25 million contract right now on its face, even though it says three years, 121.5 million on the website, right? They get out of this thing. There's $5.6 million of dead cap next year. No cash, just dead cap. And it's 5.6. That's running back stuff. That's get out of a third round pick stuff. That's what that is. So they built this in and the agent agreed to it. All right. And I've spoken to this agent a few times. He understands what's happening here. There, there's a situation possibly where Derek Carr doesn't even want to stay in this organization long term, and there might be better options. Tampa Bay, one of them. I think there's a very, very realistic opportunity here for both sides. Now, again, if this gets to February 15th, you know, the waiver period, and he's allowed to remain in this contract, all of next year, $33 million, and 7.5 of 2024 fully guarantees. And it's already injury guaranteed. So there's a bit of a risk being played right now with the Raiders if they really are going backwards and not forwards here. It's possible, albeit I wouldn't recommend it, but it's possible that Jarrett Stidham becomes the quarterback for the last six weeks of this team if they really believe they're out of the, out of the hunt. He's got a full no trade clause, so we don't have to worry about this right now. It's possible that you know, out, instead of an outright release next February, these two sides come together and say, look, we can't do this. We're going to work on finding you a trade partner in February. We're going to let this money guarantee. So it's essentially 40 million over two years, which in comparison, right? If we're talking about two for 20, 75% of that guaranteed. And then a, a receiving team can restructure that for cap as necessary. Would you take a flyer on Derek Carr on $20 million a year for two years? It's basically a Carson Wentz situation. It's basically a Jared Goff situation. Is this just going to be the next version of that? I think there's teams out there that might sign up for that. Truly. So it's possible that we can talk about less about an outright release to, to get out of this contract and more about, is this guy going to long for this roster? And if not, is this contract now set up to be somewhat team-friendly for the next team? to restructure them, to maneuver them, to do what you need to do. I think that's the possible angle here. So, you know, door one is still, he's the Raiders quarterback. And all of these pieces, some that have been drafted, many that have been acquired, just need to percolate. They just need to simmer. I think they played, I think that the Waller, Adams, Renfro, Carr combination has played about five snaps together this year. It's just been wonky, right? The Waller stuff's been bad. And we'll get to him in a second. And certainly this, these last couple of weeks with Adams have been weird. So I'm not putting everything here on Derek Carr's shoulders, but we've seen so many versions of this now that it's impossible for me to not sit here and look at the contract and say, what, what if? Because the contract literally has a red line drawn through it after 2022. You can run now. And if you don't, you can either stick this out for at least a year and a half, you know, from a guaranteed perspective, or... This is probably a situation where the next team, you know, you get yourself a couple of picks, maybe a second, maybe two seconds, something like that. And you let this thing, you let another team deal with this, restructure it, maneuver the 40 million guaranteed and go from there. I, th I think there's a real possibility that that is a door two, quickly becoming a door one B, right? So it's just something that has to be out there right now, middle of the year a team going backwards. I think some of these parts are about to get sold. I'll talk about some NFL trade candidates in a second here, but the Raiders are, are, simp are simply sliding in the wrong direction. If the quarterback position is a part of that problem, the contract says there is an out after this year. Adams doesn't have that. 
All right. There is a world where they can punt on Adams after one year. A, no chance because of the trade compensation. B, they fully guaranteed a roster bonus next year and gave him a $20 million signing bonus this year, which means there's $31 million of dead cap, just bonus cap, which sticks with the roster. They're not going to do that to themselves. They're not going to, you know, remove one of the best wide receivers in football after giving up all that draft compensation and then also take a $31 million dead cap. It's not happening. So, Quarterback be damned, Devontae Adams is on this roster next year. No question on my mind. And, and in doing so, by the way, we'll basically lock in another $43 million through 2024. So similar to Carr, once you get through this year, two more years, immediately file in. And uh, rightfully so. I, I, I kind of like that structure. I think there's a, a little bit of a team-friendly built-in, plus the, it's kind of like a mutual agreement, a mutual option, essentially, right? As long as the team's okay with keeping you around. You now get a two-year guarantee kick in. I like that quite a bit. He's going to be here, and rightfully so. Darren Waller, I'm less confident about. And I realized Drew Rosenhaus did God's work just to get this guy the next contract because he was underpaid for a long time. And the second that the contract came out and, and Rosenhaus announced it, you got the feeling, and just the sentiment that it was announced with, right? You got the feeling that this was payment for past production and a whole lot of we'll see with where we're going with this from a football standpoint and from a contract standpoint. I can tell you right now, the contract is halfway decent for, for, for everything I just told you. There's a really, really good chance he's getting through 2023 on this. But if not, it's an $8.25 million guarantee next year. You can call it $11 million by, by St. Patrick's Day. Can you find a taker for a one-year $11 million contract? Because that's all this is. There's absolutely no guarantees after this. It's essentially $45 million or $40 million worth of fluff. And everybody knew it. Again, this was not a, we got to get this guy under contract for years to come situation. This was, we owe this guy some cash for being one of the preeminent tight ends in the game. And we'd be fine keeping him around for one or two more years, but we just can't break the bank from a guarantee standpoint. And they didn't. I'm just worried that they're not going to want him around at all next year. So can you find a taker for that $11 million guarantee? I think that's possible. So we're talking about now sending a guaranteed contract away for the quarterback, for the tight end. I think they may trade the running back today <laughs> as I'm speaking. And I think it's really good business if they do so in Josh Jacobs. Hunter Renfro's pretty locked in through next year. For some reason, his contract, obviously a little less numerically, has a little bit more strength next year. He's pretty safe through 2023. So you've got your one-two wide receiver. Pretty much lock and key. Are you going to flip the quarterback position on the fly? Because again, this is one of those situations where you're at least enough committed from a financial standpoint that you can't just tear this Band-Aid off. You know, you can't just drop this thing away and say, Max Crosby's contract's going away. Renfro's contract's going away. Adam's contract's going It's not. And you're not going to be able to trade those players, Adam specifically, because of what I said with the dead cap. You're just not going to do that to yourself. You're not. Unless you're 100% going down to the bottom. And I don't believe this team's committed to do that. I think they're going to clean out their coach before they do any of that. And their quarterback. In other words, what I'm saying here is, there's weapons in place. They drafted Josh Jacobs' replacement already, the kid out of Georgia. So they'll be ramping him up probably later this year, especially if they trade Jacobs. But even if they don't trade Jacobs, I imagine that they're going to start thinking about 2023 offense 
very soon in the next couple of weeks here. So you're going to start to see some of these kids come out of the woodworks and start to become a feature in at least some of these offensive zones. And it's going to be turning into off-season mode quickly for the Raiders and some of these other teams. Is this going to be a candidate for drop a quarterback in, right? Is this a Garoppolo situation? Is this, I can't say Carson Wentz, you know? Is there going to be another viable option out there? I guess Baker's got to be a small, small candidate for this. I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers again. I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. This team's going to be a candidate for that kind of situation, right? Because I think they're too committed in a lot of these areas, in, in primary areas, to just say, let's start over. I don't know that they're going to be bad enough, you know, to really be able to use the draft to flip this thing on the fly. And oh, by the way, they gave up a hell of a lot of assets in the past couple of years to try to rebuild this thing on the fly. So if I go and find, you know, Las Vegas right now, yeah, they have that first round pick, which currently projects the number six overall. With four to five quarterbacks targeted for the first round here, I guess you could put them in that conversation. Now, Detroit's going to want one. Houston's going to want one. Carolina's going to want one. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to want one yet. I don't know if Jacksonville's going to do much with that yet. So we're talking, as it stands right now, you know, Vegas may be the fourth team in line for a quarterback in this draft. I think it's very possible that's exactly what we're talking about here in a couple of months. So just something to keep your eye on. Again, if the plan is to keep Carr one more year, just understand that that means another $7.5 million to 2024 becomes fully guaranteed. They may think that is just whatever because it's $7.5 million and this is the NFL. And, you know, either they could pay that to make him go away if they had to and or it becomes a Garoppolo situation where Derek Carr just converts into the backup quarterback and they release him pay him the seven and a half million or convert that immediately into a restructured back, you know, QB two contract. It's very possible. Now I think Carr's got a lot more value than that right now, but he may not in 18 months. So again, I'm not, I, th- I still think door one is that Derek Carr stays on this roster next year because I don't think we've seen the full version of this 2022 Raiders roster, especially offensively speaking, but having that number six, number five, maybe number four pick in the draft is at least going to set them up for the next iteration. Now, they may use that on, you know, a cornerback and, and try to rebuild that secondary. They may use that on an offensive lineman because they've swung and missed quite a few times in that, on that regard here, um, especially on the right side of that line. But just know that they have scenarios ahead of them, and it starts with the quarterback contract, where there could be some major change here over the next six to ten months for these Las Vegas Raiders. And it's because the winning winning just not happening right now. Speaking of which, team two, the Green Bay Packers, a team I was able to see in person last night, and unfortunately I can't uh, <laughs> I can't speak highly. I don't know what the hell we're looking at right now, because even if you want to tell me that Aaron Rodgers' thumb is injured, fine. Even if you want to tell me that Matt Lafleur is a running a running minded offensive guy, fine. Even if you want to tell me that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are the best weapons in that team right now, fine. I, I think I'm saying those things out loud on purpose. Even if you want to tell me that the game plan was, we're going to outpossess the Bills, try to keep Josh Allen off the field as much as possible, something teams did against Peyton Manning for a decade and a half. 
fine. I actually agree with that. Then where the hell did those last two drives come from? If they had that in the arsenal, if Aaron Rodgers was able to throw the ball downfield 45, 50 yards with accuracy, as he did for much of the second half of the second half, how do you not unleash that at least one or two drives in the first half to try to compete? This is what I saw out there. And by the way, the Bills kind of morphed into this during that entire game, something we see teams do quite a bit. They kind of play to the standard of the game. We saw a team, or I saw a team, and I'm, I guarantee I'm not the only person in the world right now speaking this out loud. I saw a team in Aaron Rodgers that was looking to not get blown out, not outpossess, not try to dominate through a run game. They were trying to not get blown out or cover their spread or however you want to look at it from wherever angle you're coming from. That's a Packers team that is not just bad. They're scared. They don't, they don't quite know how to operate. And if you just lay it out the way that I did the, with those three to four points, I think they can win ball games. And we all knew this to start the season. This team can flat out win ball games without Aaron Rodgers right now. If you put Jordan Love in there and, and handed him off to Aaron Jones 15 to 20 times and used A.J. Dillon almost simultaneously, in, is, as a one-two punch with 75% of your offense right now, I think they can beat half the teams on their schedule. And by the way, this was supposed to be the easiest part of their schedule. I, I think they've completely botched this, and I'm going to blame coaching. And I know Aaron Rodgers is a pain in the ass, and he's probably really tough to play with. So it's one of the reasons that free agent wide receivers aren't just throwing themselves at the Packers on an annual basis. I'm, I'm actually throwing all that aside, and I'm throwing aside the thumb injury, and I'm throwing aside everything else. I actually think for, for, for what this is on its face, that the GM and the Packers have been weird forever, from Ted Thompson through, through the current regime. The GM set this team up to be all in through the run game. You have Aaron Jones on essentially an expiring contract. The guarantees fall, just fall off the floor after this year. And A.J. Dillon on an actual, right? I mean, he's, he's looking for his money now. He's looking to, be, to, to get the keys to this team. I don't know that you can make any running back a singular entity in this league anymore. So you had the one-two punch. You have two Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers, each of whom, whom can catch a ball. You have a quarterback who, I'm not going to say he's declining, but he's old and injured now. And what we saw for 75% of that Bills game was a team that could just dominate. Oh, and by the way, you have a banged-up offensive line, atrociously banged up, and underperforming offensive line, which just begs for more run game because run, run blocking is a hell of a lot easier than pass blocking. It's just a known thing. This team is set up to win boring, and I don't believe they know how to do this. We went through this with the Chiefs, and I, be I bet we start seeing a lot of parallels between what Andy Reid has done with Mahomes in flipping this roster over and what Matt LaFleur has refused to do with the Packers. And by the way, the narrative you're going to hear is what Aaron Rodgers refuses to allow Matt LaFleur to do. And maybe that's, that's 100% true, and I'm not going to sit here and say I know otherwise. But Patrick Mahomes has allowed his offense to become boring at times. He's still going to be Patrick Mahomes at times, and that's the whole point. You lull them into a sleep, and then you bang them downfield. 
Aaron Rodgers waited until six minutes to go in the fourth quarter to do that. Or Matt LaFleur did that. Somebody screwed up 75% of that game yesterday. And it's a microcosm of how this entire 22 season has gone for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's missed his passes. He misses Devontae Adams like hell. Because what we know now, and I saw it last night in person, what we know now is Devontae Adams was a crutch. He was a way for Aaron Rodgers to prove his point to this offense, to this coaching staff. Hey, man, you want to try to run the ball for 30 times? That's on you. I'm going, to throw, I'm going to show you I can throw this ball to Devontae Adams 18 times a game and nobody can stop him. He was the, the excuse that Aaron Rodgers could always go to to say, look, you can, you can do that and maybe that'll work, but I'm just going to go do this because this is way more fun and this is what people want to see and this is what makes us all the money over here. I, I truly believe that now. And Adams is great and deserves all the credit in the world. But Rodgers doesn't have that outlet. He doesn't have that MFR weapon right now but he does because <laughs> Aaron Jones can be that guy and AJ Dillon absolutely can be that guy and Matt LaFleur won yesterday he won the conversation of we're going to be a ground and pound team with a, with a Hall of Fame quarterback with maybe the most athletic talented arm in the history of this game and he won and they, and they had their t- chances to take their shots and they waited until six minutes in the fourth quarter I think this is a team that should be 100% better than they are right now in the standings. And they are screwing the pooch because a quarterback is stubborn, a coach is even more stubborn, and the two of them are on the same, same team right now. And by the way, exact same conversation, Arizona, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. Exact same conversation. Very different styles, very different game plan, right, conversations. But if we're talking about the disconnect between the coaching staff, the play calling, the quarterback, and, the, and what the weapons actually are on the roster, Kyler Murray now has actual passing air weapons, right? And James Conner is going to continue to get hurt. You know how that, how that looks there. Kyler Murray is the running game now. And they don't know how to use him. And he's not savvy enough and educated enough to be able to manage that passing game. And Kingsbury won't adjust. He won't adjust. So you've got a $212 million guaranteed quarterback that can't get on the same page with his coach and won't put in the work to run the offense that the coach wants to run, which is this high-octane passing offense in Arizona, which is, by the way, the right decision. So Cliff may suck, but he's making the right decisions. He doesn't have a quarterback that can keep up with him. And there's a $150 million guaranteed quarterback over three years who deserves all the credit in the world but it's too stubborn to run the offense that's boring because the boring offense is going to work. They were gashing the best defense in football yesterday. 15 yards, 11 yards, 9 yards, 4 yards, 17 yards. Screen plays that went for 20, 22, constantly just banging down the door. And it was terrible to watch as a fan. And it was probably terrible to watch as a quarterback standing there handing the ball off or throwing a a two-yard pass backwards as a screen. He probably hates it, but he's got to live with it. Because that team should be winning ballgames that way every single week. I'm not telling you they're the best team in the NFC. There's no question that Philly's better. San Francisco's better. Dallas is probably better from a full roster standpoint. But if you just look at that roster on paper, and we did in the beginning of the year, this team was a lot of teams picked to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. And the reason is they did have experience. They did have talent. And nobody really cared that Devontae Adams was gone. Nobody really cared that there was two rookies that were going to get potential playing time in the wide receiver position. 
because they were just going to be able to figure this out. They were going to take a lot of the load off Aaron Rodgers and let the running game really shine, which is what the coaching staff wants to do. And clearly what the GM is allowing the coaching staff to do. Otherwise, they would have gone aggressively after an A.J. Brown or aggressively after one of the top receivers in the draft. They would have done that. They didn't do it because they knew that this, this ground and pound game was going to be their bread and butter. And Aaron Rodgers won't do it. So the disconnect is real. I think those two organizations are fascinating as hell in Arizona and Green Bay. They're both going to remain somewhat competitive. But at what point in time does Green Bay start selling these parts? So let's talk about this from a financial standpoint, from a roster construction standpoint real quickly here. At what point in time do we have to start talking about pieces falling off of this roster? Because there are some guarantees, obviously, right? They can't just trash everything. But they can trash quite a bit of this. El Lazard, UFA. Sammy Watkins, UFA. Two, probably the two most important weapons on this roster right now, outside of Romeo Dobbs, who's cost-controlled for three more seasons after this. Like I said, the Aaron Jones contract can fall off tomorrow. I mean, that was a one-year deal on its face. That's how Green Bay does their guarantees. There's no future guarantees. Zilch. He, he got a big roster bonus this year. There's a big roster bonus hanging there next year on March 17th. It's a $7 million roster bonus. If they're going to move on, it's going to be before that. And by the way, he'll be 28 at that point in time. Probably still tradable. There's two years, $28 million left. But with just that roster bonus guaranteed, you rip it up, start over. They may just outright release him. A.J. Dillon has one more year left on his rookie contract through 2023. He will be the bell cow next year no matter what. Jordan Love has next year plus the fifth year. They'll have to decide on the fifth year this, next, this coming May. Good luck on that conversation. Because you've heard me talk about the, the Rodgers contract until I'm blue in the face. And I'm going to do it again right now for two seconds. Because it's everything. Similar to the car conversation with the Raiders, Aaron Rodgers' future, just next year, means everything to this roster. Because if they hand the keys to Jordan Love and say, look, man, we're going to run the ball, okay? You're going to do a lot of work to, to, to get yourself up to speed in this offense. We're going to see what you can do for two years. It's going to be a Baker Mayfield type situation, right, where maybe they, they take on the fifth-year option just to be able to give this guy, what, $24 million over two years to see what he can really do. I'm, I'm saying this out loud thinking Aaron Rodgers is off this roster next year. And I'm not saying it because I think he's done. I think he's done with this Packers organization. I think that was evident last year. They hell married a contract that he couldn't say no to. But they built in a one-year rider. So again, this is kind of a carbon copy situation on steroids of Derek Carr. There's an out. It's a big old one-year $42 million out, which I've talked about quite a bit here. And I want to make sure everybody understands this. Andrew Brandt, who's been tied to the Packers for his entire freaking life, right? <laughs> the day the contract was signed, got in my ear and said, I promise you this is not more than a one-year contract. It's going to look huge. It's going to look gaudy. It's going to look like this massively guaranteed contract. But, but until it's not, it's a one-year deal. Well, now more than ever, especially having seen this thing live and in real person yesterday, this looks like a guy who's having fun playing football on a contract that is just ridiculous, $50.2 million. He gets to hang his hat on, as being the first guy ever to make $50 million in the NFL. He gets to hang his hat on, on, on a small, fully guaranteed contract, essentially. And then he's going to walk the hell out of here after a $42 million paycheck this year. Maybe to the Raiders, maybe to the Bucks, maybe somewhere we don't even know. Maybe he just goes home and calls it a day and punts on what would be a ridiculous $140 million left in this deal 
you know, 90 million or so, which is fully guaranteed. He's set to make $60 million cash next year on this contract. You think he's going to retire on that? I don't know. The bigger question should be, will the Raiders pay it? If the Raiders are the favorites, and I think they would be, in dropping in, you know, that hat back in, would the Raiders take on $110 million fully guaranteed over the next two years with option bonuses that make this extremely difficult? I think so, but those numbers are absurd. We're talking about $55 million per year for two years fully guaranteed. Absurd. <laughs> um, where we go here with Aaron Rodgers as a league, as a team, as him as a player, the next 10 weeks are going to be absolutely must-watch television for Aaron Rodgers because he's already, every Tuesday on the McAfee Show, coming out and saying, not loving this. You know, the weapons aren't doing this right. The coaching coaches aren't saying these, these things. He's already calling everybody out, and he's been doing that for a while, but I feel like it's been ramped up to another level now over the past three weeks or so. I can't wait to hear tomorrow after this Bills performance because I'm going to tell you right now, this is a guy that absolutely hates playing football right now on this team, hates it, because he knows that the best option is to not utilize him. He knows it. He knows that this GM has constructed a team that has devalued Aaron Rodgers, and that has to be driving him up the freaking wall. So now what, now what do we do? Now what do we do? By the way, there's another team that would do this, and it's the Jets. Jets and the Raiders are very, very, very tight right now in terms of their roster construction and their quarterback situations. So there's a team. There's at least a team, maybe three, that would take on this contract via trade. And I think the Green Bay Packers would say, absolutely, let's go tomorrow, which makes Jordan Love's fourth year plus fifth year option extremely important. That's your Packers right now. Let's talk about some trade candidates and get out of here because the deadline's in about 28 hours. This always is, is way more underwhelming than we want it to be. Obviously, we're, it's the NFL, so we're going to talk about everything until we're blue in the face. There's some real names. I've done two little trade pieces on SpotTrack.com. The latest went up yesterday. And uh, there's 25 names that I posted. And I kind of broke it down by position here. And, and, I, and I threw in as many defensive players as I could find, even though I think that's where the crux of many of these moves will make. I, I do believe, even with the win yesterday, that Bradley Chubb gets moved. I think he might be the only Denver Bronco to get moved in the grand scheme of things. I think I have four on this list, right? I have Melvin Gordon. I have Bradley Chubb. I have Jerry Judy. Maybe that's it. So, oh no, I have the tight end, which the name I'm not even going to try to say, Albert. Let's just say Albert, right? I have a couple of tight ends, Gasecki and then Albert from Denver. Something's going to shake up there a little bit because the roster needs to be shaken up there. I think the same with the Raiders and Josh Jacobs. You got to shake something up. I think the same with Cleveland and Kareem Hunt. Now he's a little bit more expensive, but you got to shake that up a little bit. I don't believe Elvin Kamara is getting moved, even though we're talking about first-round picks in Philadelphia, a team that loves to do stuff like this. Uh, he certainly put his foot in the ground yesterday with his performance against those Raiders as being the versatile back he's been for a long time. I don't think he's moving yet. Maybe after the season, if the Saints decide, you know what? None of our wide receivers are worth a damn. 
outside of Olave. Quarterback position still in flux. Probably got to punt on the $16 million running back. So I think it's a TBD. I just don't think it's going to be today. There's a boatload of running backs on my list here. A boatload. Jeff Wilson, San Francisco, couldn't look more on the block than yesterday, right, with McCaffrey. I'd say the same about Antonio Gibson from Washington. That's a team that's stuck in the middle, even though they had a decent victory yesterday. And I've, met, I've mentioned Jacobs. I think that's a shakeup that has to happen. From the wide receiver standpoint, I'm still going to put Chase Claypool on this list, even though Pittsburgh's vehemently said no. Brandon Cooks is getting a lot of talk, but he's got an $18 million guarantee next year. Teams have to hate that. Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar from the Patriots have been talked about. Jerry Judy's been talked about quite a bit. And again, the Saints with Marquez Callaway, who's barely playing. That would just be a toss-in WR3 depth player for somebody. But those kind of players are the kind of trades we get at the deadline. We don't get the splashy stuff, generally speaking. So I don't expect Josh Allen from Jacksonville to move. I don't expect Brian Burns from Carolina to move. I don't even expect Roquan Smith from Chicago to move to this deadline. Again, these are all off-season possibilities. Roquan's going to hit the open market. But I just think prepare to be underwhelmed is my point here. I've got some names. I've got some nice complimentary weapons. I don't expect Kamara. I don't expect another splash like we had with McCaffrey. It's possible because, like I said, the team that wants him, Philly, couldn't be more aggressive with this kind of stuff. This is the one team you want involved if you're thinking about a splashy trade. But Jacobs moving might be the biggest name we see over the next 24 hours, if I had to guess. And I think it's the right move for the Raiders. Why wait for your compensatory draft pick in 2024 when you should be able to get that and more right now for him? on a $1 million for the rest of the year expiring contract. Get yourself two draft picks. Do better than you would if you let him walk and sign somewhere else. And at least give yourself a chance to start to add some more pieces via the draft, or at least have the draft capital available if you need to make another trade. Because right now this roster is not working. It's not working. There's a lot of things that can settle in and that, that we could overreact about right now. But if you've got a chance to flip a running back for, for two draft picks, you're doing it. That's just my approach. You're doing it right now. You've got a guy who's, you can sell high, so sell him high. Kareem Hunt's not a sell high. In fact, he's a little bit more expensive. But I think teams like the Rams, maybe the Jets if they want to stay relevant, maybe the Dolphins, which I think is super interesting. That offense looks really, really potent. Um, and they're starting to buy into that, that coaching staff situation, that system. They're going to keep adding weapons. It's going, to be, it's going to be like the 49ers. It's going to be like Chiefs. There's a guy available. He can help us. Let's just bring him in. If he gets three series over the next 10 weeks and becomes a factor in the postseason, then it's worth our time. I, I believe Miami's about to become that. We'll take everybody, and we'll use one guy today and another guy next week and another guy in the, in the Super Bowl. We've seen that quite a bit out of some of these better teams that plug and play based on system, based on scheme. So. I wouldn't count Kareem Hunt out with many of these contenders right now. And I put the Bills in that conversation too as well, by the way. So a couple of names that I think will move. I just don't think it's going to be the biggest names that we want to move. And uh, that's how I see the next couple hours shaking out for the NFL. Quickly with baseball, I've been putting in a ton of work on the offseason stuff. I've got an entire American League offseason series posted right now on SpotTrack.com. What does this mean? I've done this with most of the other leagues now heading into their offseasons. Um, I'm going division by division, and I've got all the American League divisions, the East, the Central, and the West now live. Team by team breakdowns of current payroll, 
projected payroll. I've got projected arbitration numbers, projected pre-arbitration numbers, where the tax situation actually stands versus where I think it's going to be in February outside of all the moves that are going to get made. Contract extension candidates and market valuations for all of them. Trade candidates, non-tender candidates as we head towards that uh, pre-arbitration process here in the next couple of weeks. Just full breakdowns, full off-season breakdowns for every single team by division. I'll be working on the, on the National League today. Hope to have that posted by the middle of the week. But right now you can go through all of the American League teams and uh, tell me what's good, tell me what's bad. Hit me up at Trek on Twitter and let's get that conversation going because it's, it really is shaping up to be a hell of a Major League Baseball offseason with some big-name free agents, some massive trade possibilities. I mean, that's something I'm uncovering here. We're going to see some legit starting players on the trade block this year for, you know, financial purposes, like team, for teams like Tampa Bay and Cleveland that just have to do that. Or just flat out, the Red Sox are going backwards. You know, the Dodgers may have to shed some payroll this offseason. The Yankees, if they don't, don't have Aaron Judge, who are they? Just fun stuff like that. So I'm going really deep dives on every team by, by division. And again, I'll keep up with that this week for the National League side of things. And Keith Smith is back on his next contract series with the NBA stuff. He did a really cool educational piece on, on some non-major you know, major players, major names couple of Minnesota Timberwolves players, but it's not a max contract. In fact, it's not even like a close to max situation. What he's doing is he's taking kind of your average Joe, your, your role players, and he's saying, look, these guys may become even more important from a contractual standpoint, too, because we're going to have $65, $70 million contracts. We're going to have salary caps exploded into the, into the you know, well 200s here soon. And now, this, you know, they're talking about in the next iteration of the CBA, considering a hard salary cap. And the reason they're saying that is they probably think there's too many max players. They probably think it's too easy for teams to sign a bunch of guys to max contracts, even if they don't deserve it, just to make everybody happy, try to build these, these super teams like we've continued to do, and not worry about continually flipping your roster. They want movement. They want activity. They want transactions. It's good business, but the second you start talking hard salary cap in any league, I promise you, you're going to have backlash. So what Keith has done here with these middle contracts and how you actually have to evaluate a player that isn't going to come close to a max, I think it's a really fascinating conversation. And Keith not only broke down the numbers and some expectations, but he broke down the education part of it and really how he, he thinks things should work out, how teams should start to consider things, and how some of these numbers should really start to come down or maybe settle in a little bit if you've got a pair let's just say Luka Doncic $70 million in a couple of years with 14 other players on a roster. You know, we've seen that in the NFL quite a bit, right? There's a quarterback who makes 50. Well, you got 55 other guys you got to pay when you talk about injury reserve and practice squad and things like that. So it's fascinating how these things have to evolve as the caps increase, as the tax thresholds increase, as inflation hits, and as good players become better, you know? You can't just have everybody making the same amount of money in the same league, even though the NBA kind of got away with that for a decade. When they fixed things originally, it was a real flat situation. And more people got maxes. And then more people got maxes. And now I think way too many people have maxes. So again, Keith kind of brought us down to earth a little bit here with this, with this piece. It's a nice read. It's a good educational piece. And I think it's a caveat for where a lot of this stuff has to be going soon, even if the league doesn't go to that hard cap. Okay, we'll be back this week with a World Series roundup, 
a recap of the NFL trade deadline. Again, temper your expectations. And uh, hopefully, like I said, a National League uh, offseason piece to, to break down here, which we'll have all six divisions ready at that point in time, and I'll be ready to actually have our full offseason conversation with Cousin Dan and dive into some of these names and some of these teams and some of these payrolls in their entirety. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.